Okay, we're going to talk about actions, actions that we need to take. And some of these are more theoretical. Some of them are, are more um, tangible. But I've got a list of some actions that we need to take. Uh, first on my list would be remember reality. Remember reality, which would fit my little story that I just told. The reality that you are mortal. That's very practical. Just remember that. We're not going to live forever. Maybe another really great passage to complement Psalm 139 in a really practical way is Matthew 10.29 when Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Sovereign over life and death. The context is worry. Don't worry. God is sovereign over life and death. Even the almost invaluable or unvaluable, right? Unvaluable sparrows. And he's got your hairs numbered. So death is real. He's not saying you're not going to die. He's not going to say, don't worry, you're not going to die. He's not getting at that. But do know... You're mortal, but God is in charge of your mortality. So there's something really sobering about it, and you go, man, I don't like being mortal. But at the same time, our Lord cares enough to help us to understand that God cares. And so you, again, can live boldly in in light of that mortality. Number two, another action that we need to take if we're going to finish well, and that would be prioritize the priority. Prioritize the priority in your life now. Okay? If you're trusting in Christ for your eternal salvation, that means you're a Christian. And now, how about this? You can do what you were made to do. You can do what you were born to do. Scratch that. You, were, you can do what you were born again to do. Okay? You were made to bring glory to God. Okay? And, and you've lived in defiance against that as an unbeliever. And as a sinner, and now by virtue of what God does in your life, by virtue of who Christ is and what He's done, and the Spirit applying that to you, you can now do what you were made to do, what you were designed to do. You can glorify God. And this is a great uh, reality that we talk about so often in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So now that you know, you know, quote, unquote, God's purpose for your life, go for it. Seek to in every way, in every way possible. Uh, This is very practical, to live for the glory of God. Suffer for the glory of God. Die for the glory of God. Everything for Him. I want to ask myself that question. How can I glorify Christ to the very end? Number three, another practical action if we're going to finish well. And that would be plan ahead. Plan ahead. In light of numbering your days, there are some practical things we can plan for in light of that. And I imagine this is why a lot of you even came tonight. When it comes to practical planning, there's a lot you can do. If I had to guess, the pessimist in me says, most of you in this room won't do a lot of planning right now. Surprise me. (laughs) Okay. But I would hope you would at least do some planning. Okay? Some of you who have had a lot more birthdays than the rest of us, you'll probably be more motivated to plan. But in reality, we should all do some planning. 
at least, at a minimum, do some planning, thinking ahead, okay? You have an opportunity to make an impact that's personal and more personal. You can make it more personal than not by doing just a little bit of planning ahead. This is why I said this morning, if you were here, not all of you were, let me help you to help me, okay? I may or may not officiate your funeral. You may officiate mine. But if, if I am that pastor, and maybe it'll be a different pastor, I'll speak on behalf of whatever pastor does it. Let me help you, as we talk about these things, to help me. Okay? Let me help you now to help whoever officiates your funeral, to have it be as personal as it can be, as gospel-centered as it can be, to, to be as hopeful as it can be, to be as truthful as it can be, and to have it be, again, back to the very reason you exist glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ as it can be. Okay? That's the practical side of things, of doing some planning. At least do a little bit of planning. I made a list for myself of, if I'm going to plan my funeral, if I'm going to plan my funeral, here are things I absolutely want at my funeral. I'll post this somewhere so you don't have to write it down, but you can if you want. So in my list, if I'm going to plan my funeral, I at least want to have some things planned. Again, let's not take the time to write these down, but I have seven things, some overlap. Recognition of my sin. In my, at my funeral, I want it to be recognized that I'm a sinner. Otherwise, it sends wrong signals. But how many funerals have you been to where the mantra is, he's a good person, she's a good person? Now, if someone slips up and says that at my funeral... I won't care because I'm in heaven anyway. I won't care about your bad theology. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't want anybody to say at my funeral I'm a good person. I would love some good things to be pointed out. But in the ultimate sense before God spiritually, I'm not a good person. Read Romans chapter 3. It's pretty basic. It was written to new believers. New believers should even know that. And so I don't want that said. What I want at least said in some way or another is that Pat Avendroth was a sinner, okay? And somehow or another. Because what I don't want is what the Apostle Paul uh, said we should never do as Christians, and that's preach ourselves. And so many times a funeral is a preaching of self, okay? You don't want that if you're a Christian, doesn't make any sense at all. If we boast, our boast is in the Lord, as we heard this morning in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We want it to be boasting in Christ. So sin is number one on my list. And I'm sure many of you could line up and say, Pat Avendroth was a great sinner. Um, <laughs> he sinned against me many times. Um, <laughs> number two on my list, recognition, recognition of the grace of God in my life. Recognition of the grace of God in my life. That'd be good to talk about because God's been really gracious to me. If it's your funeral, God's been gracious to you. Even if you had a really hard life, God has given you a lot. God has given you a lot of birthdays if he's given you a lot of birthdays. He's given you life. He's given you family if you have a family. And the list could go on and we could talk about how God has blessed you with so many great blessings, whether it's grandchildren or children or friends or co-workers. I mean, God has just blessed us with so many things. And why not glorify God by acknowledging that? Okay? That would bring glory to God. 
God has blessed this person and he blessed them wonderfully. And if it's in light of sin where we don't actually deserve anything good, wow, isn't God amazing to give, put in your name, so many good gifts. God is good. You see the difference? The attention is on God and his goodness, not us and our fame and our greatness. Number three, recognition of trust in Christ. I want it to be loud and clear. Recognition of trust in Christ. I want everyone to know that that guy is supposedly in heaven now. Not because he died. Okay? Right now in our culture, the prerequisite for heaven is death. Uh, And if you die, you went to heaven. And that's just like default mode. Um, Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. This person, this man or this woman, trusted in Jesus. Their faith was in Jesus, not in themselves. That's good. You know, you know the old story when people go on and on and on and on and the guy's wife doesn't even recognize they're talking about her husband. <laughs> it's not the, that's not the guy I knew who wouldn't even take out the trash. You know, I, I, let's be loud and clear. Our confidence is that they are no, not under condemnation because of Christ who's been raised from the dead, who fulfilled the law. And see, what that does is is that communicates the gospel to people. They can understand hope because their hope is not going to be in themselves. Their hope is going to be in Jesus. There's a huge difference. Number four on my list, recognition of death being a bad thing. Recognition of death being a bad thing. Death is not a good thing. Death is a bad thing in the Bible. Okay? Death is a bad thing. Jesus has conquered the grave. There's resurrection. Resurrection is a good thing. But death is not a good thing. And I'm going to be a little nitpicky here, and I don't mean to overly offend you if this somehow steps on your toes, but I at least want to get you to think about this. I would encourage you to think about your funeral as a funeral. Because death is not to be celebrated. Death is grievous. Death is bad. (laughs) It's an awful thing. I know that the trend right now is to say we're going to have, we would would never call it a funeral. It's a celebration. Um, Now, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In Christ, there's hope and resurrection and death, where is your sting? And it's awesome and wonderful. So I, I want myself some celebrating. Okay, <laughs> Let's have some balance about what's going on here. It's so good to know they're not struggling with that disease anymore. And now they're in the presence of God awaiting resurrected body. This is a celebration. I, I, I'm, yes. I, I sure hope there's some celebrating. Okay? But let's maybe um, also remember that there's a reason why we're all feeling bad. Because death is bad. Okay? Uh, I just want to remind you of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, where it talks to believers about death and those who have died. And it says, believers, don't grieve as others. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. No hope of resurrection. 
But let's at least notice the obvious, like the nose on our faces. The Christians grieve. We just grieve differently. And so I want to start a new trend. I want to, I want to recover funerals. Okay. Um, Pastor Mike Grimes and I have had conversations about this before of, of even kind of the tragedy that it is that uh, Christians, you know, don't know how to grieve. Even when it comes to, to, to what we train people and teach people with, with music. Everything is always happy clappy. And everything is always happy and wonderful and awesome. Isn't this great? And then what, what, what are we going to sing at Omaha Bible Church when somebody dies? If all we ever do is everything is wonderful and awesome and amazing and aren't we all happy in Jesus? Well, I'm not so happy because I'm grieving because somebody I love just died. Read the Psalms. They're not all happy. Some are really happy. Some of you need to take some notes and get happier. Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know? Don't make the morose ones your life verses. But, I mean, you see, that there, it's both. It's, there, there's both. And, and so that's why Mike and I have talked. We, we could maybe, as pastors, uh, do you a service and maybe help Christians to know how to grieve by even uh, helping Christians to know some grief-feeling kinds of songs. Um, let's not deny reality when it comes to our emotions. Death is bad. We feel bad. It's okay to feel bad. But don't grieve as that those who have no hope. We also feel good that there's no more suffering and there's the confidence in Jesus. I want some of both. So I'm just going to try to get you to think about that a little bit. Um, I remember the story someone told about a lady who went to an evangelical church that believed the gospel on paper, uh, bodily resurrection and those things. And after, I think it was her husband who died, she couldn't bring herself to go to her church the next week. Because she knew all it would could possibly be is happy, 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 happy. And so she went to a theologically dead church, a liberal church, a different kind of church that's known for its sober liturgy. And she thought at least they would read Bible verses because they're still doing that. And the Bible's always right. And uh, she just chose to ignore the sermon that undid all the other stuff. It's kind of interesting to think about overreaction. So let's not overreact the other way either, but just something to think about. When you die, I want to be sad. <laughs> okay, how about that? <laughs> Hope I'm striking a decent enough balance there. Uh, it's, it's both. Okay, let's move on to another one. I'll get off my soapbox. Um, number five on my list, at least. Um, recognition of death, um, not being without hope. Basically, recognition of hope. Um, again, that's, there's, there's hope in Christ, hope in resurrection. That's pretty redundant. Number six on my list, uh, recognition of the goodness of God shown to me. Uh, shown, shown to and through the deceased. That's what I wrote. Okay. How about what, what I'm getting at is God used this person to impact other people for good. That's what I'm getting. It's a little different than the other one. God gives good gifts to everyone, but God used this person. Uh, that would be a positive thing to say. I can talk about how God used you in somebody else's life. What kind of impact did, did, did Bill Smith have on the world or John Jefferson or whoever it might be? God uses people. You know what? I could do that at an unbeliever's funeral too, by the way. 
because God shows common grace even through people who aren't believers. And finally on my list, the proclamation of the gospel, which we've talked about. The proclamation of the gospel. Maybe one note on that. I would encourage you to write out what you mean by the gospel if you want somebody to preach the gospel at your funeral. I just had a conversation with someone uh, within the last couple days. They asked someone to preach the gospel at a funeral, and the pastor said he would preach the gospel at the funeral, and uh, he didn't preach the gospel at the funeral because what they thought was the gospel and the pastor thought was the gospel were two different things. And more than likely, if you write out what the gospel is and say, I want this read at my funeral, what do you think is going to happen? It's probably going to be read. You have an opportunity to, to make a splash for the glory of Christ, man. Go for it. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. We have some tools that we're going to be able to give you afterward. I'm just going to make a few comments about them when it comes to funeral planning that, that might be helpful. So um, there's this colored sheet here uh, that you'll be able to pick up. Um, I'm, getting, I'm so hot, my glasses are steaming up. I'm so worked up about this. Uh, I can't now. I can't see or it's sweat. Man, need a glorified body. Um, this here. Well, let's talk about this. Um, we didn't give them to you because we knew you'd read them and not listen to me. But anyway, wasn't born yesterday. At a minimum, if you can take this and fill out basic information, good job. Some of you, like I said earlier, are going to fill out a lot of the information. But if you can just fill out basic information like your Christian testimony and Bible passages you'd like to read and maybe a favorite song or two you'd like at your funeral, one that's celebratory, one that's morose. I'm kidding. In 10, 15, 20 minutes, at least just fill out some basic things and copy the basic things and have it on file at the church or, or, or don't even do that if you don't want to. You keep this for yourself and, and tell others about it. At least you have that. Okay, At least you have that and your funeral is going to be so much more likely to be a true Christian funeral. It's not even funny and it'll be way more personal. It'll be better. Um, it'll be it'll be way better. I've done enough funerals to say I know that it'll be way better. I mean, just take 15 minutes and your funeral goes from kind of eh to yeah. I'm I'm just asking for 15 minutes of your time. You know, it's so much easier to do the latter kind. I love I love to preach at funerals in the latter kind. The other ones you're kind of going well, okay. I can make something. No, I'm kidding. I was going to say make something up. So at least fill out some minimums, and, and this is designed to be for you. Um, so you can have it on file and put, you know, more personal information in here. There's everything from basic information to, you know, this is the stuff the funeral director would use. It's the same kind of thing I would use if I'm interviewing your family after you're gone. And everybody's looking around like, you know, what did she do? What didn't she do? I don't know. How do you spell that? Um, just fill it out yourself. <laughs> We're worlds ahead. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, but the ones I'm really looking for as a pastor, your family in the in the funeral home will look for the other stuff. The one I'm really looking for is Bible passages, uh, testimony, songs. That's really what I'm looking for and that would really be helpful. Uh, I mean, there's a place on here for you because this is for you and your family to write down life insurance information and that kind of stuff. Well, I, I don't want that. We don't need that here. 
You don't need to photocopy that for us. So take this and use it. Put it someplace where your family knows it's going to be and at least give us some of the information. And I'll tell you what, every single one of our pastors is ready and willing and eager to meet with you. You choose whoever you want and say, hey, can you help me work on some of this? Or here's what I have so far. Would you keep a copy on file? There's a place to put down the the pastor who you'd like to officiate. And, And I kid you not, I wouldn't be offended if... Uh, you put my name down with a star that said, in the event that I go to a different church and live in a different place, I might want it to be somebody else. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care at all. Um, praise God. I hope they preach the gospel. You know, But just something to go off of really would, be, really would be helpful. So I'm glad we have a form like this. You can help yourself to these. Always willing to do that. Um, there's also a little brochure here that's by someone else other than us, third party. We don't endorse everything in here, but it's just like really down and dirty, basic funeral planning. Uh, the main reason we printed these out is just to say, hey, there's a lot of information out there that can help you. So your eyes wide open, um, and you don't have to get duped by somebody who's trying to sell you a, you know, swampland in, in Arizona or something. Um, and that kind of thing happens sometimes. And so this is kind of to to show you through some of that sort of stuff. So I think that might be helpful. We also um, have basic pricing that's not from us. We're not here to sell. We don't make a a cut. It doesn't have any funeral home's name on it or anything like that. But the pastors thought it would be helpful to at least let you know this stuff costs money and here's what it costs. It's kind of weird looking at it, you know. Hmm, it's going to cost me $100 to be in the fridge. Um... (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) But I suppose you need to be in the fridge. (laughs) You know, this kind of stuff, again, is helpful to number your days. Tick, tock, tick, tock, going to be in the fridge. Um, So we have some resources, some tools that I think can be helpful. Um, they're going to be over where Mike Holloway is. And over there is going to be Steve Brew. Steve, will you put your hand up for a second? Steve's in the back. He'll sit over where Mike is. Um, Steve has been a member of Omaha Bible Church since before I was, I think. Um, maybe like 16 years, 17 years, maybe, right? I'm in year 16. You were here before I was here. Um, and so Steve's here as an OBCer, but Steve, as his occupation, he is a funeral director. Uh, and has been doing that for a long time. And so I asked him to be here, to be over at that table. You've got questions, ask Steve. He's not here to sell things, um, but he's the guy I asked the questions to because he knows what he's talking about. So um, just so you're aware of him uh, as a brother, and he can, again, he's not here to try to market anything, but I want him to be able to answer questions that you might have. He's a great, great resource um, on these things. Have I made the point you don't want a Christless funeral? Have I made that point clear enough now? Okay, let's move on a little bit. Um, Just a couple of other things, uh, practically speaking. So plan your funeral now, at least minimally. Plan to help your family now based upon what kind of family you have. Okay? Listen to this this passage and we'll, we'll try to apply it a little bit. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I don't think you'll find another passage in the Bible that ever says a believer is worse than an unbeliever. But in effect, that's what that says. 
So, I'm not going to give the infallible uh, application. Um, I know that it means what it says, and it says what it means. So we can take it at face value. Um, we might apply it different, in different ways. In the 21st century, in America, uh, here's how I'm going to apply it. If you're a dad with children who are minors, you're responsible to take care and then provide for your family, okay? So for me, I apply that as I'd better have life insurance. And if I don't have life insurance, given our culture and, and the world we live in, I don't think, I'm, do, I, I don't think I, I, I'm doing my job, okay? I don't want to preach my personal convictions, okay? I'm, I try to be really careful not to preach my personal convictions about non-biblical issues. So, so I'm just telling you how I, I apply the verse, okay? You are bound to the verse. You are responsible to take care of your family if you're alive. I'm suggesting to you, I think we need to apply it. We need to take care of our family if we're not alive, um, given the world that we live in. Maybe it's different in different countries, different eras, but given the way we work in our culture, in our country, I'm saying, Pat Abendroth concludes, I've got to have life insurance. So when I drop over of whatever it might be, and I, we still have children in the home, uh, my family's taken care of, okay? My wife doesn't... Uh, my wife can take care of the family. You hear what I'm saying? I think that's a big one. Um, I think that's a big one. You say, well, I just trust God. I don't need to do that. You're a fool, is what I would say. Um, given the culture we live in, in the here and the, in the now. And maybe you can't have insurance. Well, let's work on another plan to try to create some. Let's do everything we can. Uh, we tell young couples at Omaha Bible Church when they're going to get married, uh, we, we say in premarital counseling, what is your plan when are you going to, you know, what's your plan for taking, taking care of your family? And our counsel typically is if you have some sort of thing like a debt, like a house, and, and, and you have children, um, then you need to have some way of taking care of your family if you drop over dead on the job or whatever it might be. So again, I'm trying to be careful, but a little bit pushy. Um, and we do need to apply the verse, okay? Now, there are different ways to apply it. That's how I'm applying it in my life um, and trying to exhort some of you all. And that doesn't fit for everybody. Now, not everybody's in the same scenario. Um, we all come from different places. Um, but let's at least take that seriously. We need to provide for our own families. Uh, and I want my family to be provided for um, even if I'm not here. Then a word to parents on similar lines. Um, what will happen to your children if they're minors if you go, if you're a single parent? What will happen if you go because you and your wife or husband go down on the airline crash or whatever it might be. Car accidents more likely. You are mandated by God to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Okay, they're, they're your responsibility. That is a biblical responsibility. So I take it by extension. If I'm responsible for that and there are things I can do to try reasonably to have that done if I can't fulfill my obligation, then I'm going to do that. And so it's spelled out in legal documentation what should happen to my children if my wife and I both die, okay, in a will or something like that. I, would, I can't encourage you enough if you have children who are minors, you should have something like that. 
So Molly and I chose this believing family who are also relatives and this believing family who are also relatives. And then we gave option, you know, B and C and D. And hopefully we're not all on a cruise together kind of thing. <laughs> you know, just try to be responsible to, to take care of your children because you don't want them to just go to whoever um, who may not be a believer. Uh, and so I would just encourage you to spell that out also as you think about finishing well. You might finish sooner than you planned. And then one more on a practical level of planning, and then we'll wrap things up, and that would be plan to help your family. Plan to help your family. That kind of brings us back to this one. Um, help them plan the funeral. But plan to help your family. Um, families can sometimes experience great grief that they wouldn't have to experience. They're already experiencing grief. Great turmoil that could have been avoided, maybe, if um, mom or dad or grandpa or grandma or wife or husband would have written some things down and spelled some things out. It could be really helpful. Because then we don't have to wonder what mom wanted. Um, and it can just be really helpful. You can love your kids, love your family, love your spouse by just writing some things down and putting it with your things. Um, so I would encourage you to do that, just speaking from somebody who... Uh, even a younger age, you know, father died and we didn't have things like that. Mother died and we did have things like that. Um, so just try to love your family and think that stuff ahead. Um, what I have written down at home is I have a um, manila folder that says, when I die, big black letters, and it's sealed. Notice it doesn't say if. <laughs> okay? When I die. Um, it's easy enough to find. It's not on the front porch, but easy enough to find. <laughs> and it needs to be updated. Um, I almost brought it tonight just as a prop and to remind myself to update it, and then I thought there's enough personal information in there. I don't want to misplace it. Um, so in there, I have a copy of the will. Um, I have a letter to my three oldest children because it's been so long since I updated it. Um, I have a letter to my wife. Things like don't be bitter, don't be upset, God is good, broken world, trying to explain. If this happens at a younger age, encouraging my wife to remarry because that would be good for... I mean, I'm just trying to communicate things to her. Uh, feel free to sell these things. I don't want her to feel guilty or obligated because they were mine. I mean, I'm just trying to be thoughtful and thinking ahead. Um, this is what would be good. Here's some advice about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, here are some things that I find very valuable. Here are some valuable books to me. Give my library to the church, you know, or to, to a faithful pastor if Omaha Bible Church is apostate. <laughs> it probably says that, actually. <laughs> but here's the, past, here's the pastor I would like to have officiate my funeral. I know it needs to be changed because I've had a change of heart about that. And, um, and so... Just things like that are, I, would be helpful. I would encourage you to do that. How about life insurance policy numbers? Um, things like that to make life a little bit easier. But things are going to be hard enough. And so I would just encourage you to do that. I did that stuff at first when I traveled out of the country for the first time, I think. And I thought, you know what? It's just kind of sobering and you think about this stuff. But you don't have to do that. Just something personal. I, wish I, I so wish I had a letter from my dad. And so at least now, three of the kids would have them. <laughs> he likes us best. <laughs> and 
they would be dated letters, but you know what? Even if I had a dated letter from my dad, I would love to have that. Think about your kids. Think about how cool it would be to have something. And here are my top five books. Here are my, the, my most prized books and, and not telling you what to do, but I would keep these. And here's why they meant a lot to me. That sort of thing. Um, so think, think about this stuff. It's a great way for you to love your family and think these things through. And it could cause or could, could solve a lot of chaos in the future. Well, lots more to be said. Um, great quote by Spurgeon. Then one question. Uh, and then we're going to stop. And we'll, any of our pastors will talk to you. Any, Steve will talk to you literature grab the literature we can have some good dialogue great Spurgeon quote is this dying is the last but the least matter that a Christian has to be anxious about I had to read it like four times dying is the last but the least matter that a Christian has to be anxious about dying is the last but the least matter that a Christian has to be anxious about. It's the last thing you're going to worry about. It's the least thing you need to worry about if you're in Christ. Great quote, great quote. Let's pretend like we're done. And here's the one question that comes up more than any other question. I'll just give you my pastoral two cents. What about cremation? Okay, what about cremation? If you're in a culture coming from a perspective that says, and it's paganism that does this, you're probably not going to do it. And there are some cultures where that's the case, where that's the long history. And the Christian tradition is to not do that, and the pagan tradition is to do that. Okay, so if I live someplace where that's the case, I'm probably not getting cremated. If that's the pagan way to, 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 to bury the body. Okay, so the best argument against cremation is this. And then I'm going to undo it. The best argument against cremation is God made us spiritual, physical beings. He made us with bodies and he said it is good. The body is good. Okay, the body is good. And there have been, there has been a long tradition of burying bodies. Okay. There have been pagan cultures and our pagan cultures that don't respect the body as much as you would from a Christian worldview and they're going to burn the body. Okay? And historically, a lot of Christians have taken issue with that. Okay? So maybe you don't want to do that. If it violates your conscience, you don't want to do that. If you live in a certain place, you don't want to do that. Some people have really strong opinions about this. I don't really have that strong opinions about it given where I live and based upon what people tend to think in 21st century America. Okay, so, and here's the thing. If you're buried in the ground, your body's going to decompose. And there's no way to stop it from happening unless you're a Russian leader. <laughs> I was going to say Stalin, but they actually buried him after a while um, because they even agreed that he, even he was a bad guy. Um... <laughs> So who's the guy that's still preserved? Lenin. Lenin. Yeah, I've seen Lenin before. It's kind of eerie. Um, anyway, Todd Swift and I went and snuck in the back door and paid somebody a bribe to get in. Anyway, that's another story. Um, your body's going to be decayed.
okay? Um, if you were in World War II and you were out at sea and you were eaten by 50 different sharks and you're a Christian, you're going to have a resurrected body, okay? God's going to figure that out. You're buried next to that tree and you become part of the tree over the years. I mean, what do you think's up with the Apostle Paul's body now? I mean, some church in Rome says they probably have his fingernails, but that's, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's decomposed. But he's going to be as resurrected as the person who dies a minute before Christ returns. And so it's not about that. Okay, It's not about that. I'm going to leave it up to you and your Christian conscience what you want to do as far as could you be cremated, could you not be cremated. Let's remember that sometimes Christians argue the most tenaciously about the issues that are the grayest. And so don't have it be the issue you die on. And I'm sure there's all kinds of opinions you can get on the internet um, and all that sort of thing. Uh, I'll end with a funny story. My grandpa died, he was cremated, and I brought the box to an elder meeting. <laughs> and one elder just couldn't handle it. Um, he since left the church. <laughs> no. But you know what? There was something about it that was, it was so interesting to me and so sobering to me about it to think about it and we respectfully buried my grandfather so don't misunderstand um but you're gonna die and there's gonna be nothing left eventually and that's why you need christ because it's guaranteed bodily resurrection for you and that is an awesome awesome thing